Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts and Brian Christofferson. And an early warning, this could be a little bit longer than usual. A lot going on. Nebraska coming off a win against Purdue. Nebraska loses its top commitment in its recruiting class. And the three of us just finished a 40-minute conversation with new Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. So we've, we've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, make sure your popcorn is ready. Make sure that, uh, you know, give yourself ample amount of time to, to truly get into everything we've got to say here. How excited are you guys to get this thing going? So excited that uh, I noticed you got a haircut. You did get a haircut. I, I wanted like to that. make a strong first impression. Lead, lead with a strong impression. I like that. I haven't put on shoes that could tie today. <laughs> uh, I want to put... I want to put that out there. That's I big. could tell Bill Moose was distracted at times trying to give answers because your haircut was so good. <laughs> it's it's like, a good haircut. He was just like, he got I mean, like, it's very much his, on point. He lost his train of thought, I think, a few times because of it. When my hair is looking its best is really when the widow's peak is accentuated and, mm-hmm. and people are just drawn to it. It's just yeah. a, a point that your eye really can't get away from. It's aggressively assertive, I think. Yeah, yeah very much so. Um, so where do we want to go first? Do we want to, we're s- done with my haircut mm-hmm. I mean, we can keep, we're, d- done. We're, we're not shortening it any here. <laughs> so, um, do, do we want to go game first or do we want to go? Yeah, let's, let's, let's go, go game. Let's get the game out of the way okay. and then we will hit on moose and finish with recruiting. That sound fair. That is fair enough. All right. So Nebraska won 25, 24 completed a, a comeback. Late in that game, I believe they were down 24 to 12 as they started to uh, to score 13 unanswered points to win at West Lafayette, their first win since winning at Champaign. Both atmospheres very similar. Both uh, Brunts, Brunts will break those down in a later segment in the show uh, where he really gets into Big Ten West atmospheres and who stands out the most. But Nebraska's win, I mean, watching that game – I didn't think that they were going to win that game the way that first half went. They did not look like they were a team coming off of a bye that had spent two weeks preparing for Purdue. Their offense was really inefficient, and, and I mean, the fairest word I can come up with was atrocious at times. Uh, they they made mistakes when they couldn't afford to make mistakes. They couldn't run the ball. Tanner Lee struggled early with some accuracy. Then something flipped, and they were able to finish it out. I mean – was that game kind of just unique in the season, or did it kind of fit the way the rest of the year has gone for him? I think it fit the season. I think you saw, like, in spurts what Nebraska football can be and that there still are some talented guys on the roster, especially at quarterback, we're finding out, and at the skill positions at wide receiver. But it's just not – there's no consistency there. I mean, it, it's always – it always feels like it's off when they're trying to run the ball. When you look at a stat sheet and you see Nebraska with 40 rushing yards, that's that's tough. I mean, that you just don't expect to see that connected to Husker football. And, you know, they're really working around their offensive line at this point, and you wonder how, how they're going to be able to navigate that through November, basically saying, here you go, Tanner throw it 40, 45 times a game and, and let Stanley and JD and all those guys make plays. Um, we're going to see if they can live like that. Cause I think they might have to, I think they have to, too. I mean, you, the only real consistent offense they had on the ground was, was, you know, Jalen Bradley breaking plays to the outside. Um, 
you know, it, it, it's funny over the course of Nebraska being in the Big Ten how much they've struggled with Purdue's defensive front no matter who the coach is. They're like, I, I don't know if it's what it is, but they just really struggled from the get-go. They've struggled in years past. I, I think, you know, Michael Decker really is kind of a linchpin of that line in terms of making sure that everybody knows where they are. Uh, I think he's more physical than Cole Conrad is. Um, and I, I think his loss is going to be a, a pretty big one down the stretch for that reason. But I, I think what we learned or, or kind of saw, I guess, for the kind of had seen it before, but Tanner Lee made some damn good throws in that game, especially in the second half where, um, you know, he was getting hit, guys pulling out his face mask and, and, and just making big time throws. And, and we also, I, I want to say, was that the, the closest that Tanner Lee has been to the player that we saw in spring and fall that kind of brought about the hype because he was finding the tight end. He was checking down in a way that I don't remember. He hasn't done this season, but it looked mm-hmm. the closest, I think, that, that he was in, in fall camp where you're like, yeah. okay, this guy's pretty damn good. Basically that in first half against Illinois are the two best that, that he's really kind of been. And, and those – the most recent four games had shown a stretch of Tanner Lee. I mean, eight touchdowns, one interception. He's completing 61% of his passes. His average per attempt is actually further now than it was earlier in the season. So there's there's a lot of good signs that this is a guy that's, that's rapidly showing development and improving. And that's, that's big for Nebraska because, as Brian kind of said and you agreed with, you're looking at a team that, you know, you might have to throw 40 times this weekend to beat Northwestern. Uh, a really good run defense, but suspect pass defense that kind of plays to Nebraska's advantage a little bit if Tanner Lee can stay upright. And the amazing thing to me is all of the conversation, all of the talk about, oh, Nebraska's not going to have a mobile quarterback. How are they going to avoid sacks? They haven't had very many. I mean, they're, they're at 10 for the season, 10 or 11. And, and so they've done a decent enough job, and he's done a pretty good job himself of getting the ball out relatively quick. And so I I think that we're seeing kind of the development a lot of people thought might have already been there when he started the season and that rust maybe kicked in a little bit and a little, you know, confusion and getting everybody on the same page. But if he finishes strong over these next four games, he could really set himself up. I think fans would be wise to embrace Tanner Lee too. You know, if he keeps playing at this level especially, I think there was kind of a kickback where – you know, the media have hyped him up or whoever hyped him up in the offseason. You, and then Brian. It was, it was you. all me. <laughs> you and Billy Devaney. Yeah, me and Billy Devaney <laughs> hyped him up. Sitting there talking about <laughs> and, NFL And Chris Mortensen, right? Didn't Chris Mortensen I, hype I him think, up? I think there was a, a positive Mort report. And about, like some uh, 23-year-old scout that had a story written about him that's inside baseball stuff. Yeah. But, um, but then, you know, they, they saw him play the first five or six games and deservingly so were like, come on, you – fed us a load of crap here. This guy's not the real deal. But I do think he has NFL tools. And, I mean, it's hard to make it in that league, but I think he is going to get a shot at some point to prove himself. And I just think fans should should enjoy the fact that Nebraska is actually going to have a quarterback who is going to get that opportunity, and that would be pretty cool if he actually made it and had success attached to Nebraska. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think it's uh, it's it would be a good thing for the program, and so people are kind of down on them. Need I think they need to slide back at least into the neutral 
spot neutral chair and, and give a look at maybe being on the other in the chair that I'm in right now. I, I always go back to the fact that uh, Denver has a trio of quarterbacks, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, and uh, Brock Osweiler. Um, there, there's no reason why Tanner Lee shouldn't at least get a shot when right. that's the, the poo-poo platter that Denver's rolling with right now. Yeah, you don't have the quarterback platter the Vikings have where it's pretty strong and they're getting great production from Case Keenum. And, and they've got Teddy Bridgewater waiting in the wings. So. Waiting. Still waiting. Ah, well, they got a bye week. So. Yeah. I mean, they can't embarrass their team the same way that Trevor Simeon did. So, unfortunately, Denver's playing a game this week, and Brock <laughs> Osweiler's just starting quarterback. So, uh, But I, I think you're right where, you know, Lee has, for the most part, I think played fairly well. I mean, the, the pick six is a side, and, um, you know, I, I think he has an opportunity based on who Nebraska plays. Um the, the, the current state of the offensive line and what I think Nebraska is going to have to do offensively to close with a hell of a flourish down the, down the stretch. Okay, what about the uh, defense? Because it was such a mixed bag for them. I mean, first, Start strong. first quarter was great for the most part. Um, I think they had four three and outs in the first yeah, half. But that, that is such a, a Nebraska thing where it's like that defense shows up and then the offense is giving them nothing. Yeah. It's Wisconsin all over. Yeah, and then the offense starts to figure it out a little bit, and the defense is on ice skates. That's, <laughs> I mean, they basically reverse. But there's a portion there, basically second and third quarters, where the defense looked lost again. The guys were missing tackles, and they were critical tackles. They were Maybe they didn't turn into 40-yard plays, but they were like a third and two where three guys miss a tackle, and he gets four yards, and, and that ends up being a touchdown drive. But to their credit, and I think this shows something we were asking last week is, does this team care? You know, are they going to be motivated to play it to the final bell? And they got off the deck and they got three stops in a row and gave the offense a chance to pull it out. And I do think, I know people say, ah, it's Purdue. You know, don't get excited about a win like that. I'm not saying to get excited about beating Purdue. I'm just saying that for where Nebraska football is, the fact they're an underdog in this game, the at least – that they're playing hard still for their coach. And, the, and you know, there's a, a level of caring counts for something because we asked that question all of last week whether there is or not. Well, or it would be. And with narratives, I mean, going into the week, it was Purdue is so much improved this year that yeah. Nebraska is not going to be able to, yeah. to stand up to them. And then all of a sudden, you win a game, and it's like, it's it's Purdue. They, yeah, that's happening already this week too with Northwestern. Yeah. I see it on our own boards where people say, um, you know, Nebraska, does Nebraska have a shot in this game, and then if Nebraska wins the game, it'll get well, play, it'll get played down. You can't have it both ways in that conversation if you're going to do one or the other. Yeah, I mean, we say that you can't, but very often you can, been, I guess. It's been <laughs> the the other form. One guy I want to talk about because I thought he had. Far and away, his best game as a Nebraska player was Lamar Jackson. And I know the standard isn't extremely high for that. But they used him in press coverage for really the first time in his career. He didn't give up a completion when he was in press coverage. And I think he only gave up and was targeted only a couple times in that game. And Dante Williams didn't say it so much as just kind of intimate that he was pleased with the performance and that it was a step for Jackson in the right direction. Obviously, there's a long way to go. But I think Nebraska was pretty pleased with how he responded 
you know, to the bye week, showing up, playing. I mean, he had his best day in terms of tackles. He really couldn't think of a situation where he was letting too many guys get by him. He blew up a couple short pass plays. Uh, that would be nice for Nebraska and, and to continue to see that development. I, I think in this kind of a theory I've always sort of had, people always feel like the development's supposed to happen in the off season and in the spring and in the fall. But then when the games start, day one, you are what you are, and you're never supposed to get any better. You're not supposed to get any worse. And we're seeing certain guys on this team that are put in positions or in situations where they're finally getting those game reps and they weren't very good early on, and they are getting better as, as they're going forward. Not everybody. There's still some some real concern about development on parts of this team, but Lamar Jackson's one of those guys. I mean, that was if he builds on that and you go out and you finish the year fairly strong, that's what you wanted all the way around. I mean, this is a guy that played 80 snaps all of his freshman year, which is his first year of playing cornerback, and you want him to finish the second half of his sophomore year at a higher level than he started. You want Tanner Lee to finish the second half of this season much better than he started, and you want him to be a better quarterback. So I, I feel like there's seeds of development on that roster that is probably not getting talked about enough because of the way the season has unfolded for Nebraska. Is there anybody else that you would put in that category? I mean, there's any number of examples, but... Of guys that are better right now than maybe... I mean, I mean, you would, you would hope that that's the, the arc that they would be on. Right. Um, I feel like Dedrick Young has played a little bit better in with, spurts this season. With a bad hand? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's really only operating at 70-some percent. But I, I think that you could see where the logic of getting him the inside spot. I mean, he's not – he's still got issues of when you get matched up in coverage and you can space him out a little bit. But when you let him get north-south, he's done pretty well for Nebraska in that regard. I mean, the, really, the whole defensive line, all of those guys I thought are – playing better right now than, than where they were. Ben Still obviously emerged, or Stilly emerged on, onto the scene. Um, even Freedom, I mean, we were discussing and wondering where he was at various times. He's kind of played better, in my opinion, um, in, in recent weeks, and they've gotten use out of him and the Davis Twins and, and all of those guys. There are, if you're looking for signs of encouragement also, you can look at f- several freshmen. You mentioned one of them in Stilly. But, I mean, obviously, J.D. Spielman. We saw Jalen Bradley now. Looks like he's got a little something to his game that could help. Pretty, he, I, I hope he gets a larger workload down the stretch. Brendan Hymas at right tackle. That's a really tough assignment as a true freshman to get thrown into that job. And I think he's held up okay. I, know the we, I don't even recall in a situation where I'm like, oh, wow, Hymas got beat like a drum there. Mm-hmm. He's and, done pretty well. And then you got Colin Miller, who kind of emerged this last week. You know, he he played a, made a tackle on special teams. They were also using him on third down situations. He's a real versatile guy like Luke Gifford, where you can use him to rush the passer. You can also drop him back and feel like he can at least get something done there. So you can name off five or six guys who are only freshmen right now. Farniok's another guy who's got to grow a lot, but he's playing. Um, who you'd say, okay, there's some building blocks as you look at the next couple of years. No matter what happens in four or five weeks with coaches or anything like that, these are guys who are going to be here and have to develop into really good players that you can build your program around. And yeah. there's encouraging things there. I mean, you're, you're regardless, are probably going to have, what, like 18 starters back next year? I mean, maybe a couple less than that, but a pretty good group to build around. Yeah, it's they've got the roster depth. I mean, that's 
I shouldn't say depth, but they've got the, the pieces, and it's a young a young group. I mean, we've talked about that a lot. We'll see kind of – to me, it's going to be big how they finish it out. Is, can Lamar build on last week? Can J.D. Spillman build on kind of his emergence against Ohio State? Are they going to continue, you know, is Brandon Hymas and Matt Farney not going to walk down the right side of the line? And those are the kind of things that you really kind of want to see in a year that's been – maybe lost to winning the Big Ten West, but you've still got guys that are young that you still want to see development. I mean, that's that's what, honestly, I'm going into most games watching and seeing who's improving, who's showing up, who's ready to play. As Brian said, I mean, who's answering the bell? So we, I think, kind of covered pretty much everything we wanted to with Purdue. I mean, is there anything you want to get into? Bruns, do you want to break down the the rules as it relates to fake punts and gunners and blocking and Bob Diaco? I mean, they they blew the call. I know that. Um, Strong words. The it, it was interesting, um, kind of going back and watching the reaction on the sidelines. Um, and, and Mike Riley was fairly am- animated about what was going on there. Uh, Diaco was pretty resolute uh, after the game and the fact that they had blown that call. Um, I mean, it, it worked out okay for Nebraska, but I mean, really, if you look, like, let's say Nebraska doesn't score on that last drive, I mean, that that was pretty big turning point in that game because Purdue goes in and scores at the end of that drive to start the first quarter or fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it kinda... was 17 to 12 when the play happened. Right. And, this... and it, it would have been Nebraska ball at mid, basically midfield. Yep. Right. Yeah. That was a huge missed call. I mean, you got to work around that stuff, but there are calls like that that can, I mean, change the whole tenor of a game, and that certainly was one. And, and that's that's a situation that I think is tough for a defense too, where it's kind of a quick change like that, mm-hmm. where you think you got them stopped on, on fourth and nineteen or third and you know nineteen or whatever, and then you have to go back out there. And it was obvious that Nebraska really wasn't ready for that. Um, Northwestern, I, I mean, are we expecting another close game? Is that pretty much the, the norm for this matchup? I mean, that's just where Nebraska's at as a team, right? I mean, most of their games have been close aside from Illinois. It's hard to imagine that Nebraska-Northwestern is going to result in a blowout really either side, in my opinion. Clayton Thorson and Justin Jackson represent better versions of what Nebraska struggled with a little bit with David Blau and uh, the running back out of Purdue, whose name I didn't bother to remember. So they, they were able to attack Nebraska in the middle of the field a little bit with some success, especially in that second third quarter that's kind of what I look for Northwestern to attempt to do I don't think they're going to be a monster passing threat but that's also largely because I'm not overly concerned about Clayton Thorson throwing the ball a lot you I mean they're going to have to and there's going to be opportunities to get yards on Nebraska for sure but you always got to account for the super back with Northwestern I always love the super back they're also, I mean, on defense, Northwestern's stout against the run, which is also plays into the idea that Nebraska's just going to come out throwing the ball a lot. I think they have to. I think they have to loosen them up and then try to get the running game going. So often we talk about you got to run it, set up the pass around here. I think it's reverse now. Wouldn't you love to see them open the game in the two-minute drive offense? Just get tempo going? And I, they're so much better when they've got a team that's forced to kind of deal with the fact that they're up on the line of scrimmage early. You know, you spread some people out. They look better against Ohio State when they did that. They look great against Purdue. I mean, that two-minute drive was damn near perfection yeah. in, in every facet of it. 
I mean, they were really good. I also think sometimes this is seems odd, but it seems to be true. When you're a staff that's kind of under the gun, there's almost a little bit of you feel liberated a little bit where you're like, we're going to do it how we want to do it. We're going to stop worrying about like what's what's the specific way Nebraska's supposed to play football and you know how that all is. You got to run it so many times and all this and that. And I think you get to a certain point, it's almost like screw it. We're we're just going to we're going to have some fun with it. We're going to do what we we want to do. And I could totally see them going more that way the last four games. That's where their best players are. I mean, you're struggling to block anybody up front. You got two freshmen on the right side who are figuring it out. You got a center who's struggled. That's three fifths of your line. <laughs> it's gonna. I mean, it's tough to say we're gonna yeah, just and go the, the other pound two it at people. Aren't exactly playing. No, at, they're not playing at the highest yeah. level either. So, and Stanley Morgan's a very good player. Spielman's a good player. Pearsonell. Those are weapons. You got to go to your weapons now. There's gonna be three close games down the stretch. They could go either way. I'd be surprised if either of those games are decided by more than 10 points, honestly. Total? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would say each individual, but that would have been Come bolder. on. That would have been bolder. Get out on that limb. Total. Get yeah, out. total. Bank it. <laughs> Bank it. That's, That's your a lock of the week. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we want to get in some moose talk? Do you have any more in. thoughts on Northwestern nah. before we circle back for is, our award-winning people prediction? Are more interested is, is it going to be warm enough for Pat Fitzgerald to coach in shorts on Saturday? Does anybody know? I don't know? think Pat Fitzgerald looks at the temperature before he puts his clothes on. Did he coach a game in shorts? Did I miss Several, this? yeah. That's like uh, a new are thing. Are they ever camo shorts? Uh, no. I camo zip-off shorts? It, it's, <laughs> it's like watching like a – it's shocking. It's like watching a PGA Tour golfer play in shorts where you're like, what, this doesn't look right. What's going on here? Like those just, tiger videos out right now? Yeah, just pale white legs and ch- charging up his boys. I have do some have some fits. Interesting thoughts on pigmentation of, of Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> what have they won? Three in a row? Northwestern? Yeah, three in a row. Yeah. Two games that have gone over time in a row. Yeah. Being Michigan State. I think that one advantage Northwestern always has and Fitzgerald has is he coaches at a place where no one gives a darn really if they're struggling early. I mean, a few alums do, but it's not like it is here by any means. And so I think that allows you to grow as a team without it just being a constant soap opera, it's just surrounding everything you do. It's so advantageous. That can, and that's why he should never leave that program. He should coach there until he's 82 years old. I appreciate you saying darn to keep this podcast on the PG level. Pro, pros of the Northwestern job, you, you – Get left alone. Cons, you have to use a silent snap count in your own stadium frequently. <laughs> you, just have to, you just have to own that and move on. That would be a little annoying. Like every Northwestern home game you watch, it feels like they're on the road. Yeah. What, what, we were driving back the other night. And I was like, is this game being played in Illinois? Yep. Sure enough. All right. Well, we're, we're ready for, for some moose talk. Moose. We met with him on Wednesday. For a little more than 40 minutes. We were the only outlet to meet with them this week, weren't we? Is that right? I, I think so. I can't confirm I think that, that's but... correct. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Yeah. So should we should we label this exclusive? <laughs> All caps. Exclusive. Yeah. So how do you... Um, what's your initial impressions on how that interaction and meeting went? What were your initial impressions on him? 
And do you think that you asked good questions today? Well, I, I think my initial impression was that your haircut really won the day. Um, I think my second one would be that, uh, you know, as a guy that, that's been around the block, um, pretty confident in his uh, ability as an AD to build programs and kind of diagnose things. And I also think that, you know, this job is going to be a little bit of a different beast for him because everywhere he's been, he's been fundraising and trying to build facilities and, and build winners. And, you know, the winning part needs to happen in Nebraska, but everything else is there. I mean, he said that over and over again. So I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious. It's like everything else with an AD. You never really know how good of an AD they are until they have to make decisions that ultimately, you know, change the trajectory of a program or for better or for worse. So, Ask him in five years. Yeah, I, which he said specifically <laughs> to do. He, he does have a presence about him, though, doesn't he? I mean, like when you walk in and he's got that big office. But I did it a couple of times with Sean Eichhorst, and I always hate to knock guys when they l- left, but that's exactly what I'm about to do, I guess. But Sean, when you were across from him, you didn't get that like he's on another level than you are even, which he should he should be, trust me. Um, and you didn't always feel that way. It, it was like he didn't have that intimidation factor at all. And I think not that he, Moose, he was very welcoming to us, but he's got that like, okay, this is a very successful man. Yeah, we weren't um, able to scare him when I got real close and stood over him. Yeah, that completely failed. Disappointing. Um, it was a nice attempt by you, though. But I also like that he's a real, you know, he's been an innovative guy, and you can get him off on topics like, you know, the Joey Harrington billboard he put up in Times Square. He was very proud about 2001. that. 2001, he was. He talked about it for like five minutes, and it was a pretty fascinating story. You know, a guy from the New York Times calls him and says, why the heck would you put up a Joey Harrington billboard, you know, in Times Square? And Moose's answer was what? Be- so you would call me. Because now you're talking about Oregon and Eugene, Oregon, and that's exactly what I want. And so um, he thinks outside the box, but we all know that, you know, the next five, six weeks and then whatever that decision is and how that plays out the next three, four years is what his legacy is attached to here. And he knows that too. He, uh, I mean, he wants to win. That that sounds incredibly cliche and you would think that's what every athletic director wants but I don't necessarily think that they all will vocalize it in the same manner that he did I mean there was a few different times on a couple different topics where it came back to it and you know he really expressed a desire that he came to Nebraska to build back what was previously Nebraska football and that's what he wants to do and come here to just finish out a career to have a turnkey situation without having to do the development or the fundraising or any of that came here to build a football program and that's where that's where I I think he's gonna have to obviously do you know that's a big part of his job and I think he feels very confident that he's got the blueprint to do that the 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 other part that has kind of come out from other interviews that he's done and he mentioned it a couple times today too I mean he really views Nebraska volleyball as kind of like the the, the program that he wants everybody to emulate. Um, you know, I, I think that that's been pretty obvious, you know, based on their success and, and kind of what John Cook has done there. But, um, 
you know, I, I think that kind of sustained success is what he wanted, what he wants to build across the board. And he even mentioned it in the context of the basketball program that, you know, you need to have success, but then you have to build on it. And, you know, Nebraska basketball made the NCAA tournament and then took another step right back. Uh, you know, that that's kind of the challenge for Nebraska going forward is, okay, well, how, how especially in football, how do you win nine, ten games and then follow it up the next year? Because, I mean, that was, that was the same problem with Bo Pelini is that you, you got to nine, but, you know, you, you at some point have to take that next step. Mm-hmm. And you can take this on your volleyball comment. We can take this for granted now, but, I mean, that program was built from ground level starting with Terry Pettit and John Cook has just done an amazing job. And what now every little girl, not every little girl, but most of the little girls in this state grow up and they want to play volleyball at Nebraska. I mean, that's something they can shoot for and it's a big deal. And I'm not saying football has completely lost that because there's still a ton of kids in this state that dream of running out there with the N on their helmet. But I don't know if it's the same as it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, as far as the percentage of kids that that's just like, that's what I want to do. I got to strive to be that, however, whatever it takes. And that's another part of, you know, emulating volleyball. I think it's building up that feeling within the state that all the, all the kids, like, I want to be a part of that, you know, that I, I want, I'm going to work my tail off. So I, even if I have to walk on, I can play football there. And there are still kids that do that. We have great stories about them that succeed. Some of them are going to be playing Saturday, but there probably needs to be a few more of them, you know, to help this program. So, and, and the other thing that stuck out is, you know, he, when he was talking about like, you drive up that interstate, you see the stadium lit up, you see the, you know, the football and the national championships. He, he was telling us, he's like, you guys might take it for granted yourselves because you're always here, but it's not like that every place. There's not a, it doesn't pop out like it does here and just where everybody just is after the same mission and wants that program to succeed. He's come from places where there's a lot of things to distract you. If you're at Washington State, there's the Washington as a huge fan base, Seattle Mariners, Seahawks. That's going to take up a lot of people's time. Here it's one show, and I think he loves that so much, being the director of the one show in the state, really. Yeah. I Another thing that I, I want to mention, and we might have already kind of forgotten about it because we didn't mention it earlier, he isn't going to waste time on a decision. When when he's ready to make a de- decision, when he's ready to make an announcement, it's going to happen fast, and he's going to put the next decision that follows fast because mm-hmm. he was, I mean, I don't remember if it was Brunts or, or Brian that asked this, but somebody basically pointed out, hey, you've got this December 20th signing day. How does that change your process as you're trying to evaluate a program? Because you know that's in the background and you know the turnaround on all of this is relatively quick. And he kind of made a, a joke that not the, if, if anything were to happen, not to expect any sort of prolonged search and certainly not to expect a search firm that he's going to be ready to roll and that if it comes to that, he's going to have a decision and it's going to be quick and to expect things to be quick. And I think that sort of decisiveness is going to be very valuable when you're talking about a very condensed time frame in between late November and December if any move should be made. The, uh, the other newsworthy item will be on our site probably by the time this comes up, but 
it's worth dissecting a little bit is beer. I don't see, I walked out of there not thinking beer's coming to PBA or Memorial Stadium just yeah. around the corner. He said, you know, he, they were looking at that at Washington State, but it, he basically said it's a different animal here. You know, you're not, they're still filling up the stadium without beer. Other places aren't doing that. And I mean, he said it's not needed here right now. That's what he's on the record as saying. I don't know if he said that in other interviews, but that to me put my antennas up because that's obviously a question we hear about a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, I, based on what he said, I didn't, I didn't think that that's going to be like it, it was more beer is more of a tool, I think, versus, you know, actually you know, something that he's going to explore. Like, it, like it, it was almost like it has to get bad enough before, like... <laughs> bad enough to drink. Before they turn the taps on. <laughs> like, if it happens anywhere, it would start at the PBA. I mean, there's no question about that. And when you listen to the way that he framed that answer of giving people reason to be there, if the basketball program can't give them reason alone, that might be the secondary <laughs> avenue. Well, turn well, on the taps. We started the interview talking about his him... Just talking with Tom Osborne, I mean, we know how Tom felt about that, and you wonder if that plays into this too at some point. Too very well. Anything else stand out? I think I think we hit on. We should, we should make point. everybody go to the site yeah, to, to check it out. Read it now. Okay. Should we transition? Yeah. And, uh, do we want to have a moment of silence here? Uh, raise a white flag. Ooh. Rough. Kind of like we had a moment of silence in our interview with Bill Moose when it didn't last too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Nebraska lost its top commitment on Halloween when uh, Buki decommitted from the Huskers. It was not shocking in the sense that, I mean, I, I felt like it was headed towards this direction and, and maybe had been longer than I had really noticed. Um, but certainly with the uncertainty with the staff, certainly with the amount of aggressive recruiting he'd been getting from guys at IMG about Oklahoma, and he went and he had a, a really good visit. And it's, it's a confluence of a lot of things. I mean, some of it is Oklahoma might be the hottest team in recruiting right now. And then you throw that in there with having Bradley Hiles that same weekend when they kind of really blow things out and make a big deal of it. Nebraska wanted to do that with Wisconsin. Difference was Nebraska lost by 21 points. Oklahoma rolled Texas Tech. And so um, they, the, the stage was set. I think that he didn't want to prolong things with Nebraska any longer. I don't think Nebraska is an option for him, regardless of what happens with coaching. I think he's moving on. And you've got Oklahoma and Clemson likely as those programs that he's going to be looking at. I don't know if there's anybody else that's really of note for him at this point. And – he made the decision to go ahead and decommit, and I wrote, you know, yesterday that really what that decommitment does is it points out one how valuable he was to that recruiting class one because they drop in the rankings, and two he was a big part of who they were able to get in to take visits, who they were able to get in to consider the program, and they haven't recruited enough. I mean, they, you've got to have more than three commitments from November first until May 24th. I mean, that's just a long stretch of time. And you have three commitments in that stretch and two decommitments as well. 
I mean, technically three because Cameron Brown decommitted and recommitted, but it's just a, a long stretch where you didn't make enough hay, and it shows when it's November 1st and the guy leaves your recruiting class, you're down to 10 people, and you're the 49th class in the country. You're the 10th class in the Big Ten, which I think should really point out how well the Big Ten is recruiting as of late. You have 10 classes all inside the top 50 right now. So it, it doesn't, you know, you've got to be able to, to recruit. We talk and pretend like Wisconsin doesn't do a good job of recruiting and that they're just these salt of the earth and build it up from, you know, football factories and Oshkosh and all this other crap. No, I mean, they do a decent job recruiting. You've got to be competitive in that. And Nebraska risks with potentially more decommitments falling further down that scale. And you can't afford to lose an entire recruiting class. You've got December 20th coming up. We saw and we have continued to see the ramifications of the 2013 class. You, I mean, that's effectively losing most of a recruiting class, and it's hurt Nebraska further down the line. You kick this forward, 2021, when some of these guys would be playing and, and seniors and juniors, you don't have them on your roster because you lost recruits or there's a coaching change or whatever else. I mean, long-term effects of this could be pretty large. It's interesting to me because you have – you're in a tough spot if, if you're in Nebraska right now where – you have an AD who has said repeatedly that he's going to wait until after the season to make an evaluation. Um, you know, questions are obviously swirling in national media about what you know Nebraska's coaching staff is going to look like come signing day in December. Um, you know, Nebraska has struggled on the field, which hasn't helped, um, and, and has led to those conversations, and. You know, Nebraska still is hosting a pretty good group for, for Northwestern, but... Um, the staff has done a nice job. I mean, they've continued working, for but, sure. But you're not you're you're not at a point where guys are going to be jumping in the boat at this, you know, for the next month or so. So it's it's really kind of a, a bit of a catch-22 right now for Nebraska where you kind of have to play this thing out and, and see what happens. But, um, you know, it, it'll be... I think you had mentioned this, that you said you probably don't see any other immediate decommitments following Buki. But, like, at the same time, if you've got guys who are enrolling early, yep. it, it's... That are setting up options. Right. It, it's it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting over the next three weeks to kind of see how that plays out. Which is why, if there's a change, everything has to happen in a matter of five or six days. I mean, there's no other way around it. I mean, And I'm talking, like moving out and bringing someone on, this is the guy, if that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's – and I, I feel for this staff, too, because even, you know, even if you got to that Saturday after Black Friday and there's a statement or something put out that says, we believe in these guys, we're going to go forward with these guys, you do wonder if there's some damage already done with recruits that say, well, this guy, you know, there's all this talk and speculation about this guy, am I sure – I should should go there, you know, what's going to happen next year? Is it going to be the same thing? And that's that's the problem they're dealing with if you just want to be completely honest about it. And I commend the staff, um, like you said, about the guys who are coming in, and you see what Owen Papo, is that how you say it? You know, putting Nebraska in their top three. I, I commend them for being to that level that you can get a guy like that to put you in his top three even 
you know, with all that's happening, and that shows a certain level of professionalism that hopefully fans respect. Yeah, but, I'll run I'll run through real quickly. They're expected to host Jalen Hall this weekend, a five-star composite wide receiver from Long Beach Poly. Be his first trip into Nebraska. Callan Gervin, a defensive back from Cass Tech in Detroit. It'll be his first time to Nebraska. Dante Williams has been talking with him for a little while. He's been trying to get to Nebraska, but hadn't really been able to lock on a date and didn't make it in the spring when he had hoped to to get over there. Elijah Wade, who I think might be the most interesting out of the group, a defensive end linebacker type out of Las Vegas, uh, four-star guy. John Perella has done a nice job working and talking with him. Bob Diaco, Trent Bray involved as well. The kind of player that, I mean, he's not Michael Parsons caliber, but he's got that sort of athleticism, and Nebraska doesn't have a lot of that. So they need guys uh, that, that can play that way. Jeremy Banks, running back from Cordova, Tennessee, who is blowing up on the recruiting circuit. Looks like he might be one of the top senior film guys in the 2018 class. The day after Nebraska offered, USC offered him. And that, to me, speaks a ton of volumes because USC can offer you know, any running back they want, and they're going to Cordova, Tennessee for it. And this guy has offers from Virginia Tech, UCLA, UCF, Big Ten teams, ACC teams. So he's really kind of blown up. He's coming to Nebraska this weekend. Reggie Davis went to go see him. I think there's a, a burgeoning relationship there. But as everything, you know, it gets prefaced with if, you know, Nebraska can, can survive all of this. Chris Bleich, a name that most people know from the spring, was expected to commit in June, didn't committed to UCLA instead. Now he's coming out on a visit. Really good friends with Brock Bando. That might be part of it. At this point, Mike Cavanaugh needs tackles in the worst way. Bleich would be a pretty good flip if they could get it. You've got Casty Woods, a wide receiver from Texas, coming out for his visit. Nebraska really likes him. He's kind of further down the board than some of the other guys. He's a little bit further down than Kobe Smith or Crocker or Hall. But they're happy to get him out here. Kind of an intriguing Texas wide receiver. He's got some good size and athleticism. And then Andre Sisco, an IMG uh, Academy defensive back from Florida that will be coming out here. Uh, Teammates with Brendan Radley-Hiles told me Nebraska is looking at him as a safety I think they're trying to take a couple in this class at that safety spot, uh, along with, you know, they've got Dallas uh, Craddath from from St. Louis, Ashari Crosswell. They've got some other ones that they're looking at. So it, he's part of that group too. So they've, they've got an interesting mix of those senior film finds and then guys that they really want that are top-end talent. And to be able to do that amidst this kind of uncertainty is, is commendable, really. It is. That was that was quite a list. I didn't expect it to be that long. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I, I, that's impressive. I could have hurried it along. That's imp- No, no. I, First, I, I don't it, talk enough, and then I talk too no, much. No, I meant that was impressive. It's an impressive list. I, I impressive list by the guys to compile that. <laughs> I mean, that was a blank screen. I didn't even need anything. I, I just that, rattled it It's impressive that you remembered it all. So that's kind of what they're looking at recruiting-wise. I mean, I, I don't know what else to, to, to go over at this point with Nebraska recruiting. I mean, that's kind of the bulk of everything. We'll see if there's any sort of surprise decommitments or anybody that feels, you know, that they want to step away now and pursue options. Like I said, I, I don't know who that would be. You're looking at Joshua Moore, who's allegedly 
coming out to Nebraska this weekend, though, we checked uh, with, with our people, and they told him, or I should say Joshua Moore told him that it's it's not a done deal that he's going to be in Lincoln this weekend. So that's what we know on that front. But if he's coming out for another unofficial visit, there would be two during the season, mm-hmm. plus his trip for the the Wisconsin game. I mean, I know people are pretty confident that he might flip to Florida State, but I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case pending again what happens going forward. I mean, every conversation we have is couched with we don't Mm -hmm. know if Mike Riley is going to be the guy on November 24th or not. And because of that, all of these recruiting conversations, all of will this guy decommit, will this guy commit, is this guy interested in Nebraska, It's, it's really hard to answer. I mean, it sort of just makes your job being like, you know, a, a magic eight ball and you're flipping it over and you're just, whatever turns up is what you say on that given day. I'm pretty confident he'll be the guy on November 24th. Is it 25th would be the next day? It is. Well, I mean, it could happen <laughs> late at night. And there are going to be some You don't kids, know what that Penn State game could include. There will be some kids who uh, who are going to commit more to school than – coach too i mean i remember when we did that story to open the season on guys that riley saved in his first year and aaron williams dad was really fascinating in that um interview bojack williams talking about how you know if if you're committing to a person over the school you're doing this the wrong way anyway is what that father's advice was and there are going to be some parents and kids who see it that way too so that's that's something to keep in mind there will be some who will wait to see what happens, process it for a week, and they might st- stick aboard no matter what. All right, well, should we get into prediction time? I think it's that time. Northwestern uh, and Nebraska, Brunch, you got any wildcat sounds that you uh, can cue up here? I don't. Uh, well, I know that you had some cougar noises that <laughs> you had been It's really all using. the same, right? Like they're all just big jungle cats? Pretty much, yes. Jungle cats. Yeah. Those those jungle cats. I don't think wild cats are jungle cats. There's no jungle. Whatever. We're we're off topic. Anyways, uh, predictions. We'll uh, we'll start with Brunts. What do you think happens in this game, and how much love is Pat Fitzgerald going to get for it? A lot. There's going to be a lot of love for those pale coaching legs. Um I it's going to be a close game. I mean, last year was probably when Nebraska went up there. That was probably the 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 biggest blowout that there's been in the series, and it you know should have been more um, given the fumble issues around the goal line. But um, I think I'll I'll give it to Nebraska at home. I feel like Tanner Lee's going to have a big game in this one. Um, I think it's going to be narrow. Like I'd say probably. I'll say 25-23, Nebraska over Northwestern. 25. Yeah. How'd they get to 25? I don't know. But they got there last week, They're going to get there. Yeah, they did. All right. Four field goals, two touchdowns, and a two-point fail. And a fail. fail, yeah. That's how they're getting there. Uh, again. again. And Nebraska's going to have to bat down a Hail Mary at some point. So maybe it's 25-17, Northwestern scores – goes for two misses and then gets the ball back one last time yeah that's that's Cause what i'm because nebraska thank you thank you for filling in the blanks on my prediction because i because nebraska couldn't run out the clock on its offensive possession 
because of the struggle in the run game. Nebraska could run out the clock, huh? No, they can't. That's they can't. Why, that's why that's they get. That's why Northwestern's getting the ball back. In my prediction, what if they just did <laughs> you know, <laughs> bubble screens as they're running out the clock? That would work well, right? You could just kneel down three times. Could I like kneel down score. and punt? That'd go over well. <laughs> that happened to teams I, before. I know. BC, what do you got? Uh, Twenty-seven. I'll say I'm gonna say Nebraska too. Twenty-seven twenty. I picked Purdue last week, and you guys were right, and I was wrong. And of course we were. Yep. Never, uh, never mind that Wisconsin game. <clears throat> I think Nebraska. I, I took Wisconsin actually, but whatever. I think Lee's going to keep playing at a high level in the offense, even though they f- will frustrate people by their lack of ability to run the ball. Will get some stuff done in the air, and then a couple runs will pop throughout the game. And I'm just not a big believer in that Northwestern team. I know they've had more success in recent weeks, but I, I think it's a very even matchup. I think we learned last week Nebraska still cares, and they're at home, and I I think there'll be enough juice to carry them to a win, so I'll say 27-20. This is Northwestern's sixth straight game, is that correct? Yeah, that sounds right. And they've okay. had some emotional last couple, couple weeks for them, too. I don't know. I feel like you're also playing right into Pat Fitzgerald's hands, though. He wants that doubt. He wants the, he wants to to play the underdog, and he's going to play that. Yeah. yeah what is, I mean, what's the spread right now? One. Uh, it flipped back to Northwestern. Oh, okay. I think. So Vegas and it's and betters are having a tough time deciding who they like least in this game. I'm going to go with Nebraska, but I'm going to eschew that this is a close finish. I like Nebraska to kind of jump on Northwestern in this game. Northwestern's coming off of back-to-back overtime games, back-to-back close games, back-to-back scratch and claw for everything. They're not a particularly deep team. They do have some some injuries. I like Nebraska to go and, and throw it on them a little bit, and so I'm going to go with a, a 38-21 Whoa. game. That's going to get some uh, – BC doesn't like it at all. <laughs> he is out. I, I think that they're going to basically just throw it all over the yard. And I think they can't because Northwestern's got some serious secondary issues. B- BC looked like a baby eating a lemon over there. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, was it the 38? Was it the 17-point gap? Was it, it was the whole sh- they're going to throw it all over the yard? It was the whole shebang, I think. <laughs> he did not like that at all. <laughs> baby eating a lemon. Here's your, here's your, tie, here's your tiebreaker question. Tanner Lee over under 375 yards passing. <laughs> you think he goes? You think he goes high? Again? High. 350. What's a fair line? Well, we'll stand, Give me a, uh, we'll, I'd say three, uh, 370. You 370. What did he throw for the last week? Four. I think three. If it were 372. Yeah. I'll tell you what. If you put 370 in front of me, I'd have to think long and hard about it. Probably 350 would be more reasonable. Yeah, I feel better in the 350 range. 325. <laughs> Those extra 20 yards. I, just, I don't know. I think they're getting called back. Yeah. Well, there that... would be a holding penalty probably. <laughs> so. I, I think he goes, I'd say over 350. The way we're going is, so is Stanley Morgan going to break Johnny Rogers' record this week? On Saturday. Yeah. By oh, wow. Yeah. With the like 300 away. Uh, believe yeah. Where where are we at, Bruns? Get the stats. Nine forty two is the Rogers number, and Morgan is at six. Well, he's he's, he's calculating. 
He's averaging 90. The stats department was paying closer attention to this podcast than normal. He's averaging 93 a game right now. Stats department. All pro bono. Um, He is currently at uh, 652. 652. He's got a ways to go. He's 290 yards away. J.D. Spielman's barking at his heels, though. He's only about 170 yards back. Wouldn't that be something? Spielman just put up another 200-yarder. Passes him. Here's a bonus prediction. Tyler Hoppus scores a touchdown on Saturday. Two consecutive games for tight ends. People lose their minds. No. You're saying no. I'll say no. Not gonna. Not I'll gonna say score yes. Two. Let's put a friendly podcast bet on this. What? Okay. Your terms are. I don't know. You buy the next Coke. Beer. Okay, I can do that. Three Floyds. Three Floyds. What? Brian, what do you think of Three Floyds? That was. It was fine. We don't have to get into what happened after. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. That was you. I just I, wanted a review of the food. Yeah, I was. The I was food, asking about what occurred when we were at the Three food. Floyds. Was, the food was excellent. I had the what braised. Ribs or something, braised, yeah. something. They were they were good. You ordered smart. Um, yeah. So so you say Hoppus yes. Touchdown. Yes on Hoppus. Yes. Yes on Hoppus. I will say no. Right. I think the Hoppus train that we were all riding in August, April, is like now it's winding down the tracks right in front of our yeah. house. I'm getting back on the train. Yeah. I got off the train. Did a little, you know, business. It was stalled out. Got back on the train, and, and now it's it's going to finish out strong. There, there were some cattle in the middle of the train tracks. You had to wait. Yes. He made, he made some amazing catches. Give the Lincoln boy some credit. All right. Well, you know where you can find Lincoln boys and other boys oh, and well. players <laughs> and everyone getting credit? Where, Mike? At Nebraska.247sports. What a strange teaser. That was a very odd (laughs) teaser. It it sounded better. (laughs) Whatever. Point is, you can go to Nebraska.247sports.com to get all of your Nebraska football information. Uh, There should be plenty of Bill Moose talk. There is already plenty of Brennan Radley-Hiles talk and and recruiting and everything going on this weekend. BC will have a few things from Moose. We'll have some stories about some of the various things that he talked about. There's plenty that we didn't get in. Again, it was a, a sprawling 46-minute conversation that touched on uh, his love of old Yankee Stadium. He gave some analogies involving the growth of grass and its colorization that I thought was relatively actually pretty interesting. And some other things, too. So you can look for all of that, plus we'll have our game day coverage, plus there will be tons of recruiting coverage on Sunday. You should have visit updates on just about everybody that will be in. So keep it locked on at Nebraska.247sports.com.